0: Hello and welcome to the Talented Almutants Podcast. My name is Joe Randolph, your host. And today we have May Masharia Smith, founder of May I Hire You, and a career transition executive coach company where they support and guide professionals through their career transition through executive job search, career coaching, and planning. May is an executive talent acquisition consultant and career coach and has over 20 plus years of experience in talent acquisition and recruiting. Today, she will share more about her company educate us on the key trends we should pay attention to in 2021 as we plan our career goals and tell us the benefits of working with an executive career coach so let's get started may how are you doing today and welcome to the podcast
1: thank you so much joe i'm doing great i'm doing great thank
0: you i appreciate the invite definitely excited to have you on today as we one of the things i felt like as we move started to move into next year wanted to understand and educate people on what are some of the things they should start thinking about as they start to plan some of their career goals going into the next year. Normally, as we move into a new year, it's a, it's a, it's a time to reboot and restart. And I think This is a great opportunity to really help people understand what are some of the things they should be paying attention to as they start their job search going into the new year. There's been a lot of things that's happened over this past year with COVID that shifted the job market, shifted hiring trends, shifted the skills that we need. And I really want to be able to get into that today and really learn more about what you're doing with your company as well. So maybe let's start with who is May Masharia Smith? Tell us where you're from, your background, And so we can just get to know you a little bit more.
1: Sure. I am, I'm going to say that I'm like Obama. And I know that sounds weird, but it's the easiest way to explain where I'm from. Um, So I grew up in Kenya and I am American as well. So I am basically Kenyan and American. Um, The reason I say I'm like Obama, his father is from Kenya. So I claim that. (laughs) So in terms of who I am, I um, you know I moved from Kenya. I would I lived in Kenya. I grew up in Kenya, and come from very humble beginnings there. And I came to the U.S. and decided that I really wanted to study um, here in the U.S. and got my bachelor's degree in human resources. A couple of years later, I went out and got my master's in organizational leadership, and really been driving my career to really affect people's personal lives, that's a big passion of mine. So I am a very creative, driven, values, passionate person because I wanted to help people drive their personal goals and really achieve their own personal growth. Right. So that's what I've been doing. Um, I've been blessed, honestly, with taking both my education to really drive that into my career and help people. So I've led teams across the globe and I've worked with organizations to help campus build campus programs I've worked with senior leadership to help develop their people and really find the right talent and work with candidates to really land the roles that they really enjoy so that's a little bit about who I am and you know I love to travel I love the arts and You know, again, I think a big passion for me is really helping people.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And obviously, you know, HR, recruiting, you know, what made that feel so compelling for you to get into as you started your studies?
1: So I, it's funny because I actually started my studies in psychology. So ever since I was maybe about almost nine years old, I thought I was going to be a psychologist (laughs) because I was fascinated with how people think, how people live their lives, how they react to things in the world. And so I got accepted at CU Boulder um, into the psychology program. But in my second year, I thought to myself, well, someone asked me a question and said, oh, this is great. So you're going to go all the way through to your PhD. And then I thought, how am I going to pay for that? So I I marched myself to the business school and I said, look, I want to... Profession that can focus on people, but in the business world, I know I could also make some money. So, what's there? And I, that's how I found it about human resources. And I shifted my major, and I ended up driving human resources as part of my career. And going through internships through a program called Inroads, um, which was focused for minorities. That helped me really solidify my interest in, I would say, human resources, but more specifically, I really enjoyed the recruiting piece, because what I found with recruiting is that I could talk to the organization, I could talk to the individual, and really match the two, and the outcome of that was so rewarding, right? So, it's almost like being a matchmaker, but in the corporate world. So, over my career, that's how I've driven towards talent acquisition, and it's been—I say it's—it's it's somewhat the good part of HR. Um, <laughs> I help bring people into organizations, and it's been a really fulfilling career. Honestly, I lo- I've loved what I've been doing.
0: And I love the the term the matchmaking of HR. So that's that's pretty cool um, how you put that. And so it took you. So you've got twenty plus years of talent acquisition experience. You start, may I hire you? Tell us more about your company, why you started it, and what are and maybe get into some of the services that you that you offer.
1: Sure. So, you know, over the years, you know, people have known that I do recruiting, right? So people have reached out to me on and off to help them with their resumes or, you know, just coaching them through a career transition process. And COVID, basically what happened is I was working for an organization. And in the last several months, at the beginning of the year um, of this year, 2020, I had a shift in leadership. And once that shift in leadership happened, there are a couple of things that happened. One was I realized very quickly that I don't align very closely with the new leadership values of the individual. It wasn't even necessarily the organization, it was just that individual. I didn't really fully align with their values. And I knew I needed to probably start pivoting. So I started to think about what do I want to do next? I'll say that COVID just accelerated that. And and there was a major impact. I was in the airline tech industry. So you can imagine the airline industry got hit hard. And so I was impacted. I was impacted by a layoff. And when that happened, I immediately pivoted and I launched my business in July. And It really was not even, uh, it felt like a continuous thing that was already happening. It just exploded is what happened. And it was the need that was out there and really being ready at that pivotal point to really offer that service. So what I'm offering today um, is, may I hire you, I'm your career angel. um, And I can explain more about that. But basically what I do is I help people through career transitions. Now, most of my clients are at senior leadership levels or executive levels, but I've worked with individuals all the way from campus um, students going into the workforce. So I offer resume writing, we offer interview prep, telling your stories, how to prepare for your salary negotiations, and ensuring that you're branding yourself appropriately, specifically I really, really highly recommend and I work with people on their LinkedIn pages and their overall social media. So it's our full journey. And my goal is to really help people drive their career with a value-based, <laughs> excuse me, with a value-based system. And so that way they are aligned with something that they are also passionate about and not just falling into a position just because they want, they need to get a job, right? So I know everybody's people that have been impacted may really, really feel like they just need to go for anything. But again, my goal is to help people understand what are your values? And that's my psychology piece kicking in. Um, but what are your values and how do you align yourself asking the right questions through your entire process so you can go through the journey? But when you land to the, in that destination, you are truly happy about where you are. So that's I offer.
0: So you're based in Atlanta today. Do you mostly work with clients in the Atlanta area and companies within Atlanta? Or tell us about the range and locations and where you work with clients.
1: This is a global outfit. So I have clients in India, in London, in Canada, and all over the U.S. So, and I think the beauty of that is that because of COVID, we have all, it feels like the world has shrunk in a way that we are so interconnected now from a global perspective through technology. And so it's given us the opportunity to really talk about career transitions across the globe. So yes, so I, I have been working with people literally across the globe. Across the globe so. Got it. And you mentioned you're a career angel. What, is, what does that mean? Yeah, so, you know, if if you've ever heard, so I'm going to put it this way, you've ever heard of a story where, you know, you're in an ocean, somebody was in an ocean, and they were screaming for help saying, you know, help me, help me, and they were given a boat. And they said, you know what, no, 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 I'm waiting for somebody to come and help me. And then, you know, something shows up as well saying maybe, hey, here's a helicopter, jump into the helicopter, right? And they say, no, 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 I'm waiting for somebody to come help me. So, The moral mission, basically sharing that story, saying for you to work with a career angel and what the career angel does is I don't do the work for you, but I give you the tools. I give you the tools to get into the boat, to get out of that ocean. I give you the tools to get into that helicopter, to get out of that ocean, right? And it's up to you as an individual to do a couple things. One is Know and recognize that you do need the help. And then number two, be able to utilize the tools and really leverage those tools. And then I'm there with you throughout that journey, right? And that way you know that you're not alone and I am there with you. I, hand, I, I, I somewhat handhold my clients <laughs> um, through their entire process and when they land that new job. So, so that's what the career angel does. I have your back.
0: As you've been up and running with your company, what can you share with us, if you can, what's been some of the feedback that you've gotten from some of your clients, and also whether it's the individuals that you're coaching, and also the companies that you're placing them with, what, what, are, what kind of feedback are you getting, and do you have any statistics in terms of your placement rate?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I have not run my statistics yet, but I will tell you this. I have had some fantastic feedback, and that's truly what's been keeping me going, because I know I'm making a difference. And so I'll I'll, I'll give you an example, right? So I had a gentleman reach out to me that had been in a job search since January, and he reached out to me in August. And what we did is we revamped his entire resume. He wasn't ready to really launch his LinkedIn in a lot of detail. He was scared to put a photo, all these things. And I completely helped him rebrand that. Within five weeks, he had interviews going and ended up landing something. And when he called me, he said, may I have an offer? And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate this because I was at the end of my savings. I am the breadwinner of my family. And I was not sure what I was going to do next. You know, And so it's those stories that really, really drive me to do what I'm doing because I know it makes a difference, not just for the individual, but for their families and for their lives, it transforms them and gives them that empowerment, right? So I've had several candidates land jobs within two months or three months. The average landing rate is between 60 to 90 days. So it's been fantastic, honestly. And people that have been doing their own search on their own and then work with me, see that major transition. So it's it's been really great. Corporations, I think are getting the benefits um, because they are getting solid resumes, they're getting people ready to tell their stories, and they're making offers to them. So that's been the huge success rate for us.
0: Awesome. And while sometimes data doesn't always tell the story, it's mm-hmm. a, it's really about those those stories that you as you just mentioned that those people that are able to find a role. It, any job search there has a lot. There's a lot of things that have to go right: the hiring manager, the company, the timing. Um, what's going on within the industry or the economy, those things can factor in and they can factor in quickly where you feel like they're going right. And then they could, they could shift all of a sudden. So I think those stories, even if it's one or two people at a time, those mm-hmm. are the ones that are really important. And I think uh, it's, it's, it's important to make sure that we share those types of stories. So thank you for that. One of the things I, you know, wanted to maybe talk about as you are uh, looking at just how people navigate their careers, looking at the industries. What are some of the emerging trends that you're seeing in as you work with clients and and some of the trends that we're seeing now that's starting to shift that we need to pay attention to in our career journeys?
1: So I think a couple trends, I mean, definitely a lot of us are virtual now, right? So um, at least in the corporate setting. So I, I would say that one of the things that's really, really shifting is a major, major focus for Companies looking for diverse candidates, and companies that are really focused on this are really driving to engage with diverse candidates. So that's important. Now, diversity is is in many ways, right? So it's it's race, it's age, it's um, diversity of thought. But there's a lot of conversation around that. So being aware of that is important. Now, a couple other things that are shifting. I mean, in the U.S., there's a huge of course, change input in leadership that is, you know, happening. And so being aware of what type of roles are coming into play is going to be important, right? So things around climate change, the technology is not going away, it's just growing. So there's major mega digital transformations that are happening across organizations today. And so anything around uh, technology, climate change. I think we're going to see a huge, huge uptick in education. There's a big, big uptick in terms of data analytics, the HR function, but the HR function is going to look very different. It's going to be a strategic HR function, not just an administrative piece. So there are roles that are going to completely disappear, completely disappear. So one of the things that I recommend for people to do is take a step back. Take a step back and analyze, do a self-evaluation and understand are the skills that you have today going to carry you into the future? And if they're not, what are those gaps that you need to start to fill? Um, Do you need to go re-educate yourself? Do you need to start to pivot your career? And so so people need to realize that change is happening and we're not going to go back to a new normal. We're going to go back to, we're actually not going to go back. We're going to go forward into a new world right? So what does that new world entail? And starts to pivot your career in that direction. So I think those are just some of the quick tips that I have in terms of, you know, what do people really need to think about? Do some self-analysis, ask people, ask your current manager, ask your peers, and start to build for that next level, right? So uh, whatever that is, basically, in terms of the future.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And And I think it's important for people to pay attention to what's ahead. Sometimes we we start to look at the trends as they're right in front of us, but we have to always be thinking three or four years ahead, especially in technology where things can shift in six months. And so those are some really insightful tips um, that you shared. One of the questions I have is, as you are working with employers, right, because that's the other side of what you do, how do you help them brand their company to top talent? Because that that fight for top talent is is fierce and now you have to be able as an employer to be really attractive to land some of the top talent that's out there so how do you work with employers on really branding themselves to these top candidates
1: so i i do that in a couple ways so i did this actually at my last job as well was really for it's really a structured process so you really understanding, number one, what are the goals of the organization, then really making sure that everything is aligned to those goals, right? So that becomes part of the employer brand. And then taking that step back to, to analyze the data. And one way they can do that is they can look at their Glassdoor reviews. Glassdoor is a fantastic place that any candidate that's looking to say, I want to go work at XYZ company, go, they go to Glassdoor and if those reviews are not good that's part of your brand so looking at that data and saying what kind of culture and what are our values do we want to align so we can shift that right if it's if it's not that good but if it's good how can how can we capitalize on that and then the other thing is to really really understand what is your employee value proposition we talk about it from a customer perspective but there's a major shift to say if you want good talent, you need to understand your own proposition. What is it that you are offering that your competitors are not offering, right? Why do I want to come work for you? Um, it's kind of like I said, it's like the dating world, right? If you want to show up well, um, people will want to date you. It's, you know, they want to come work for you. So, um, and then from there, it's really about creating that candidate journey to ensure that employees coming on board can then tell that story out there for you as well. So it's really that full process and engaging the managers, leaders to really support that overall brand.
0: Okay. One one thing I did want to touch back on is you mentioned you also work with with clients and, and, and maybe companies outside of the U.S. globally in different markets, India, the U.K., et cetera. Are you seeing similar trends as it relates to the job search and what companies are looking for? Or do you see that similar across, no matter the geographic location?
1: So there, there are some very strong similarities in terms of what companies are looking for. And I think one of those themes is people that are really, they're starting to look at a lot of soft skills, right? So And a lot of organizations globally, whether they're in India, I'm on a huge conversation with the African leaders as well in HR. And then again, here in the U.S., there's a huge conversation that's happening around empathy, collaboration, agility, flexibility, you know, customer experience and focus. So all those pieces are being discussed no matter where they are on the globe, honestly, because organizations are seeing a lot more of what's happening in each country. They can see it now, right? There's not a huge silo division from that perspective. So um, so yeah, so it's, there's a lot of similarities now. Of course, there are nuances, right? There are different nuances. Now, when we went virtual, so for example, in the US, a lot of companies were very comfortable doing that here. But talking to some of the HR folks in Africa, for example, they weren't ready for that, right? And some companies were not ready for the virtual experience. It's a very social environment there. So this is brand new for them. But the transformation from a digital perspective, I think everyone across the globe has realized how important that is.
0: Do you, do you see once we get, obviously there's our, where vaccines are now, will be in play going into next year as well. Do you see that shift from being in office will continue as we continue to stay virtual or do you see a shift where people are now going back into the office or employers now you know, having people come back into the office, what do you foresee or what are you hearing as it relates to once we're back with vaccines and able to go back in? Do you see where the current climate, do you see us staying the same as what we are in a virtual environment today? Or what does that shift look like?
1: I think it's going to be a blend. Companies right now are evaluating what roles can truly be remote 100% of the time. And then what roles are critical to have an in-person presence, right? So that evaluation needs to happen if they haven't done it in organizations. But that's the conversation now, to have flexibility, because one thing that data is showing out there with organizations um, like McKinsey or Gartner, they're running these reports with people and companies, and they're realizing that people can be productive at home. Right, so, but for those that are having challenges being productive, whether it is infrastructure or connectivity or having a family at home um trying to focus, that's where that flexibility I think will come in. So I think we'll see a blend moving forward.
0: What's been some of the biggest challenges that you've seen or faced as you started your company?
1: Oh, wow, so, um, I think one of my biggest challenges is I want to help everyone <laughs> so. <laughs> So it's scaling. That's my biggest challenge right now is how do I scale this and be able to reach more people in a way that's going to have a positive impact for them and a real value add for them. So that's probably been one of my biggest challenges. And then I would just say, honestly, it's part of it is believing, believing that this is happening, believing in myself, believing that you know, we have our little self-doubt You know, (laughs) I have the career angel on one side and then there's this little self-doubt voice sometimes that just speaks up. And so for me, it's about really understanding and coming back to my why. Every time I have to come back to my why and say, why am I doing this? And I'm doing this because I want to make a difference in people's lives. Because I have all this knowledge that I've been very grateful to acquire over the last 20 years. I want to share that. I've been on the corporate world Some literally relieve, you know, giving secrets away of how recruiters think, of how executives think, of how companies are thinking, and that's that information starts to bridge that gap, right? For people to really land where they want to be. So, so yeah, so that's you know, I have to believe in myself and um, and then grow continuously grow. So yeah, that's that's where I am
0: as a founder, and obviously growing business owner entrepreneur what does the career angel go for coaching and mentoring how do you get that support to be able to ensure that you continue to grow understand how you scale and get advice so what does the career angel go for her career guidance and coaching
1: and so is that about for me, like how I would grow myself? Well, what if, <laughs> you're
0: you're also starting a career journey, so I'm yes. al- it's always curious to see the people that help others. What do they go for help? It's like the the oh, psychiatrist, where am I going for my help. The counselor, what do they go for counseling? And so you, so so what do you do for mentoring and and really understanding how you continue to grow? How do you manage scales to reach more people? Um, how do you mm-hmm. gather your insights and
1: your coaching and your mentoring? That's a great question. So I have individuals that I really have admired through my career. And so I call them, you know, my my mentors, um, my advocates, my coaches. And so I reach out to them. And the interesting thing about that is some of them have been senior leadership, right? So I talked to a lady, for example, that just wrote a book on heartbeat leadership. And So I called her up and I do coffee chats. I tell them what I'm doing and they give me advice. People are so willing to share advice. And so these are people that I'm building as a core group of sounding boards that I can reach out to and get thoughts from, advice from. And it doesn't have to be senior level. So one of the things I have a challenge with is social media. So I was not always on Facebook or on Instagram and So that's a learning opportunity for me. Any small business needs to be able to market, right? You have to market. And so I called a college uh, recent grad and I said, I need an IG Instagram tutorial. And she walked me through all these wonderful ideas. So again, your mentors and coaches don't have to be senior people. Students are teaching me how to do social media in ways that I had never, ever thought of. So Um, So I suggest for people, you know, if you're looking to build your business or even yourself as an individual, look for your sounding boards in all directions and people that you can trust and that you admire.
0: Thank you. And I I think that's important. I wanted you to share that because a lot of times when people see individuals like yourself that's doing, that's really successful, doing great things, you also need a support system. You also need mentors and people that can be your coaches, your sponsors, as well as your just advocates that can really help you continue to grow and excel. So thank you for that. One, you know, before we close out on this on this segment, what are some of the bright spots that you've seen since you started your company? You hit on one earlier with the gentleman that you helped find the job. but What are some of those bright spots? Because I'm I'm, you know, I think it's always good to celebrate those things that we that go well and, and some of those accomplishments that we, that we've been able to get along the way.
1: Absolutely. So I would say twofold. One is truly just getting that phone call from people that are going through their process and saying, May, Career Angel, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Right. And so literally yesterday, I um, had about three conversations with people that I've been coaching over the last several weeks. And they're in final interviews today right? They have final interviews right now. And so it's about celebrating. I get to celebrate with them. And for me, that's really exciting, right? So I get to actually celebrate in terms of what they're doing. So I think the other piece is that uh, another bright spot is that I'm having organizations starting to reach out to come in and coach their employees on how to build their own career path within the organization. So I didn't say career ladder, I say career path, right? So having that bright spot of having the opportunity to go into an organization and say, let me help you with your own succession planning within your organization to help people navigate the company. So so it's 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 been a really good blessing to really be a part of those celebrations, um, especially again, the individuals, because it impacts families, like a story I shared earlier. So that's been a great to be a part of. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So as we transition,
0: I, I do want to get into a little bit more as it relates to understanding why do I need to hire? Why do I need to hire May? And, you know, and really understanding the benefits of having a, a career coach, a career transition coach. Can you share with us why is that important? Why should we consider that? What should we be looking for as we think about making this investment? whether we're at senior exec levels or we're at junior levels, what are the benefits of hiring an executive career transition coach or executive
1: recruiter? So I'm going to say four key things. The first one is working with a career coach like myself will shorten your time drastically to an offer drastically because we are using proven methods. I'm giving you literally secrets of what people are looking for and it's for you to be able to then utilize that, right? So it drastically will shorten your time. Um, the second thing is that I really, really help you build your brand. So understanding the importance of your brand and your LinkedIn page. And as recruiters, they live and breathe on LinkedIn, right? So understanding the importance of that. Third is your network. So the network of a recruiter, I've been on LinkedIn since it began, you can imagine, right? So the network is incredible. I had a lady that I spoke with a couple of weeks ago. We worked on her resume. I connected her with one of the large organizations, global companies, and she just did four interviews yesterday. So again, all through just network, right? So, and the fourth is you have somebody by your side and it's a journey. It's not an easy journey for some people. It's nerve wracking to interview and prepare. <laughs> and it's a major transition in your life. Like any other transition in your life, so having someone right there with you is a really, really kind of mental um, support. Is really what happens, right? So those are the critical things that I would say why somebody should really, really think about getting an executive coach like myself.
0: And as as you work with clients, and what what are some of the the common mistakes that you see them make, and how do we how do we avoid those mistakes as we're navigating our career search um, and on, uh, along that journey?
1: so so, Joe, I, I can imagine you've read a bunch of resumes yourself, right? So, um, I don't know if you've liked them or not, but um as a recruiter, I can tell you that I've read thousands of resumes. People go so wrong, so wrong on resumes, right? So and I know it's hard to hear, but really transforming their resume is important, especially because of COVID impact and a lot of people looking, that's one way to stand out easily. Just get your resume done in the right way. And then in addition to that, and actually let me explain a little bit more about that because it's people have beauty resumes versus a success resume. So um, I have a free book that people can pick up that I'll be happy to share with you at the end, but it's, it's, very, it's very important to do a good resume. The second thing is um, how to tell your stories. People really struggle in terms of how to tell their own stories. And I say that you technically are the product. And if you cannot explain what that product can do, and you cannot convince somebody else what you can do, then you lose out, right? It's not that you don't have the skill set. It's just that you're unable to tell the story. So that's the other one. Sometimes people also just post and pray um, and, or they apply and pray and, and hope something happens. And sometimes you can get a call that way. But the amount of jobs that are filled through networking are about 70%. 70% of jobs are filled through networking. I'll tell you, I have interviewed for jobs or have been called by recruiters when a job was not even listed anywhere. So simply because of my network right? So networking is critical. And then the last thing is is your LinkedIn brand, right? So LinkedIn is a powerful tool today. Who knows what we'll have next couple of years in the future, but LinkedIn is what it is today. And you have to be on LinkedIn if you're looking for a corporate job. So those are the things that I think people miss um, and don't realize how important they are, but that's how I help you. So, um, (laughs) So, but those are things that people want to think about.
0: Yeah. Telling a story is it's always a hard one as I've coached just young managers and uh, Mm -hmm. professionals around telling a story. And one of the things that's it's you, it's your background, it's your career, you it's what you've done. So be okay with talking about yourself. It's not self-promotion. It is, but it's basically telling us what you've done and you have to be comfortable in sharing and and really highlighting the great things that you've done because if you don't do it, no one else will. I do want to touch on you mentioned LinkedIn. What mm-hmm. is you know a lot of people don't really understand how you use LinkedIn as a branding tool, particularly to to show your expertise in your field. Being able to show you know, your, the way that you think about maybe certain articles and posting and, and how to leverage that effectively. Mm-hmm. While it's very unique, it's still social media, but it's very unique than maybe a Facebook and an Instagram. Can you talk more about just how do people can better brand themselves in the different ways or tips and tricks in which they can do that on LinkedIn? Is there anything you can share with us to help us be better at that? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So a couple of things is, I'm just going to say that LinkedIn is not Twitter, it's not Facebook, it's not IG, it's not TikTok. LinkedIn is very specifically built for professionals, right? So I think that's important to think about because there's a lot of things that are happening um, socially and you know we all have different beliefs and I think that's the first thing that I tell people is be, be aware of your audience if you're looking for a job and you post articles that are very very controversial, just be aware that that's a brand that you're creating, right? And you're going to box yourself into a specific area, which if that's what you want to do, fantastic, go for it, right? Um, But if you truly are looking to build a specific brand, figure out what your brand is. Figure out what do you want to focus on? And a couple of things people could do. Number one, if you are in an active job search and you're building your brand, or even if you're not in an active job search, make sure you have a professional photo and You know, that really speaks volumes and then make sure that you have a really good description of who you are and your background and experience. And then to build those relationships, connect with people that and follow companies that you're interested in, build relationships into niche groups. And if you want to reach out to certain companies, you can connect with recruiters, chat with them online. You can connect with hiring managers. That's okay. But if you're not even saying, I'm ready to move into a job now, start to post some articles. Post some articles in the field that you want to grow in. But again, I think the biggest thing is be very careful that what you do post on LinkedIn, be aware that that site was specifically built for professionals and everyone is watching you. So as a recruiter, if you come to me and I look through your feed and there's some sort of discretionary pieces that, could cause issues, you might have a rejection before you even know you have a rejection, right? So just be careful of what your brand is on LinkedIn. And then close down some of your other privacies on your other social media if you want to speak up there, right? So it's important to just be aware.
0: No, thank you for sharing. I think it's really important for people to really understand and, and really being able to use their social media's in in the way that will help facilitate different parts of what they're trying to do. It's not that you should stop mm-hmm. the advocacy and really pushing for some of those issues. Those are really important because I think we have to continue to shine a light and have a voice to those. But, under, but understanding the different audiences that you may touch, depending on the social media platform, your LinkedIn mm-hmm. platform may not be the same people that's on your social media platform, and just really being able to understand how to navigate those different channels. So, so thank you for sharing that. Now, one of the things as we as as a job seeker or people who are out looking for roles going into twenty twenty one. What are some of those things? You mentioned a few trends as it relates to tech, climate change, data, data analytics. But Mm -hmm. as job seekers, what are some of the things that they should really start to prepare themselves for, particularly skills and competencies Mm -hmm. that employers are looking for? And what should they be doing to really understand their path to help building and getting uh, better insights on where they need to continue to, to grow and develop their skills and competencies?
1: Yeah, so um, like you mentioned, I, you know, I had talked about climate change type roles, um, tech is going to continue to be big, um, data analytics, education, digital marketing, marketing graphic designers. So, so in terms of just skills and competencies, I think one of the things that people need to think about is organizations are starting to look at overall skills and competencies versus just a job title driven environment. And what I mean by that is they're looking for a lot of soft skills and they're looking for individuals that can be, again, agile, flexible, empathetic, diversity, um, and embracing inclusive, being inclusive as well. And then just from an overall skill set and what you should really think about building out for yourself is I suggest to say, number one, what are you good at? What are you really good at right now? And understanding what you're good at, is it also something that's needed, right? And how do you align that? There are several, actually, personality tests that people could take. Um, there's one that's free called 16 personality tests. I don't work for them. I'm just sharing that it gives you a good outline of jobs if you take a 16 personality test and tells you based off of your personality and your values, These are the type of roles that would possibly align well with you. But again, I I would say just really thinking about some of those careers would really help you drive that. But soft skills are going to be very, very, very important moving forward. All the way from leadership levels to entry level, they're going to expect you to really understand how to collaborate, and especially in a virtual environment in the world we're living in today. So...
0: No, that's a really, really, really great points. And I think um, it's key because what I always tell candidates is, I see what's on your resume, but what what can I get that are innate that that I can't get on paper? Those are the things that I look for as well. So really understand how you can bring those out in an interview and really making sure that you can help me understand how that would show up if I hire you for this particular role. So I think those things are, are definitely important and key. So probably closing out this segment, one of the things mm-hmm. just that I wanted to ask you is, as you think about the future of work and how companies have to continue to adjust pre-post-COVID, what do you see or what does that mean to professionals as we think about the future of work and what that looks like mm-hmm. at, in 2021 and beyond? Can you talk share us more about what you're seeing and what you are prepare for as you think about how the future work will entail meaning the as I'm a, as an employer mm-hmm. the the search for talent gives me a wider view where I don't have to be just looking for candidates in let's say Reno where I'm at my talent right. pool is open up if I'm now more virtual maybe talk to us more about what you're seeing as the future work as we move beyond COVID into next year and beyond
1: so I, I actually, just to your point, I think we're going to see a lot more of a global workforce in the sense that organizations are realizing that they don't have to move people to the jobs, the jobs can come to the people, right? And so I think that's going to be exciting. It's going to be opening up a lot more competition. <laughs> so that even emphasizes why people need to be ready for this. and. So I think that's one of the biggest trends that we're going to start to see on a global level. Companies just being open to people wherever they are. Let's go find the talent and let's open up the job where the talent is. And the other trend that we'll see is a lot of AI, right? Artificial intelligence taking on some roles, right? So people need to really think about, you know, take a step back and say, is my role going to be redundant? So I sit in HR and HR people are very worried about this because there's some things in HR that can be. Fully automated, 100% automated, right? So, what does that mean for an HR professional? Now, that means that there's some redundant things like data entry that may not need a person anymore. So, if you're in a role like that, if you're in a role that is very administrative, you may want to think about how can I upscale from a soft skill perspective and maybe pivot to areas where AI may not be shifting that job, right? So, that's where, again, like you were saying, you're looking for What is that extra thing that's going to really jump out at people? So the workforce in the future, I think it's just going to look very different. It's going to be very digitalized. There's going to be a huge, huge focus on customer experience. There's a big, big focus around building diversity around customer experience as well, because companies are looking to match their communities and looking to match their, um, their businesses so that they need diverse people to be able to support that customer experience as well, right? So yeah, so the, so a lot of change is happening. Change is going to keep happening. So get used to change uh, and it's uncomfortable, but find ways to keep yourself calm, find ways to, if you need to work out, meditate, whatever it is, you need to find ways to take care of yourself. I think there's a major, major shift as well around focus on employees, a people-centric focus, and organizations that are doing that will be able to retain that talent. Organizations that are not doing that post-COVID, they're going to have a challenge hiring people in, right? So I think that's the exciting part for employees is that there's going to be a major, there is already a major shift for focus of what do employees really, really need, because we're human. Right, <laughs> we 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 have that. We need that personal touch, and that's what companies are realizing that it's not just about the return on investment, but the biggest investment and in asset that they have are the people.
0: And one of the things I, I've been trying to pay attention to is mm-hmm. because we have been a hundred percent from home mm-hmm. over the past year, will we see more of an emphasis of people actually, you know what? Actually, I don't like a worker from home. I want to go into the office. And so as we start to think about more that hybrid space and having more of that flexibility to be able to work from home, work in the office, I think that that will be one of the things that I've been trying to pay attention to, particularly with my team, to understand what will be their preference. Now, Mm -hmm. while I'm a big fan of sometimes coming together, because certain things you can whiteboard and just makes it a little bit more collaborative, you know, that's one of the things that I've been really stressing with my team is you work how you want to work. You know, if it's Mm. in the office, it's out of office, as long as we can be productive, get things done, and get the results that we need. So Mm. I'm curious to see how that plays out as people have been at home hundred percent, will they, realize you know what i actually like being in the office so i, I was going to be mm. curious it's going to be interesting to see how that trend plays out
1: it and there's one thing you have you had said as well is you manage a team i think a lot of managers and leaders are realizing that you can't see the person to drive their motivation right you can't see them and manage them that way so it's results driven versus you know, maybe micromanagement that's going to be happening and, and managers or leaders that um, I'm going to call the managers, managers that may have micromanaged in the past are going to really struggle because they need to be able to shift, right, and realize that it's about the result. Because if you have a kid crying, you may have to take a step away from the office, right? Your office desk, your virtual office and take care of that, right? So it's really about what are you able to deliver at the end of the day? So it's a shift it's a shift also for the leaders in terms of how do they manage their teams and keep, keep their teams engaged. And I think it's a positive shift. I think COVID has created a situation that has had unfortunate impact across the globe, but there are some things in terms of that silver lining that has shifted for people, you know, where we're being more aware of us as humans in the corporate setting.
0: Yeah. And if you're, if you're a good leader, that ability to influence and engage, engage people, keep them challenged, that shouldn't change whether you're virtual or in person. And one of the things I always mm. tell my team is if I have to micromanage you, I probably don't need you because if I'm doing your job and mine, then maybe there's a different conversation we need to have. And, um, and, I, and I think that's really the key is just being able to, one, have that mm. conversation, empower your people to do what they need to do. It doesn't make any sense to hire great people and then macromanage them, let them do what they need to do, give them cover to make mistakes, because those are the things that keep us learning, and Mm -hmm. be able to make sure that you're coaching and guiding along the way, because as leaders, that's what we should be doing. And I think one of the things we also have to make sure is that we help develop leaders to ensure that they can manage in a virtual environment, because a lot of them don't understand how to do that because they never had to do it. So I think we have to also be mindful that a lot of the leaders, this is new territory for them as well. And so Absolutely. we just have to make sure that we're able to help and guide them and coach them along the way and being better leaders virtually and just being able to manage that, that, that digital presence in a different way. And so exactly. I think those are going to be some keys. One, one last thing I want to just touch on, you mentioned with the global element, you know, as you think about that expat assignment, where do you see as some of the global opportunities people should be looking into emerging markets, Africa is an mm-hmm. emerging market. I talk about Africa a lot. I'm definitely intrigued about just doing more work or uh, uh, and, and doing more things in Africa. But what do you see as some of the global economies or global trends where people are thinking about doing an expat assignment? What are some
1: of the areas they should be looking to? Well, you, you touched on one dear to my heart, um, <laughs> which is Africa, I think what, when I looked last, uh, the top seven G, uh, GDPs in the world are in Africa. So uh, if, if you've not looked at an expat assignment out there, um, it's, it's something to keep an eye out for. I think there's a major, major rise in interest in overall global leadership in Africa right now. So I'm, I'm keeping my pulse on that conversation as it happens uh, with the HR leaders, uh, very, very eager to drive that. And then I would say, you know, there's there's a huge, huge talent market, especially in the software development space in India and in China. So now they have their they're building this talent, honestly. Um, But the opportunity to work in those types of markets, I think, would be incredible. And um, so, if you're looking for an expat assignment, you know, those are different regions, completely different regions to think about. Europe, of course, I think. There are a lot of organizations that are um, starting to really kind of develop and grow in Europe as well. So expert assignments, you can think about them where it never, never hurts to go out to learn what's happening across the globe. It really, really pushes you out of your bubble, right? <laughs> and, um, I would say that I've seen people in the UK or in Africa, they have traveled a lot around that part, of, literally globally. I think people in the US sometimes stay in the US, and that is probably not going to give you a full global scope. So thinking about an expert assignment is an incredible way to, to realize that the rest of the world is really moving at a very fast pace as well. And the emerging markets might be the most fun markets to go work in. Now, not all infrastructure is going to be there, but, um, but that's part of the growth, right? So, um, so I, th- I think it's going to be a very exciting piece. I know China is very strong in Africa right now, but I think the U.S. is going to get very, very interested as well, um, especially you know, with the shifts again in leadership. There's going to be some growth there. No,
0: I think that's important. And having worked in, in in a global environment and having to travel back and forth to Ireland for work, you're right. There is there there's just a lot more that people don't realize in terms of the advancement, the opportunities, and just the overall experience mm-hmm. that you gain from a global a global assignment or being in a global environment. And I think a, a lot of times because the U.S. is so big. We can move mm-hmm. from state to state, but it's not the same experience, particularly when you're starting to work cross-culturally as well, where you may be working across several different cultures, countries in your office alone. And I think mm-hmm. those are very unique experiences. They help shape your point of view, your world point of view. And I think those are important. And I think some of the things that normally hold us back from taking those assignments due to proximity, location, time travel, you know, those types of things where once you realize a four-hour flight from Europe to New York is mm-hmm. four or five hours, that's the same length of time it typically gets, uh, you know, I have to get from the east to the west coast. And so I think as people start to think about these, uh, those assignments different, it's really about being able to take advantage of these opportunities and the way the flights were, well, before COVID, the way that flights <laughs> were set up you could get flights easy back and forth from, from the U.K. to the U.S. or from San Francisco to Asia. Um, so Absolutely. I think it's definitely something people should so definitely pay attention to. So, so thank you. Um, you know, as we kind of close out, what do you have, in, in, you know, as we think about next year, what are some of the big things that you have on your radar, projects or initiatives that you're working on that you can share?
1: Sure. So uh, two major ones. Um, One is, I talked a little bit about, you know, scaling. And so I plan to launch a masterclass coming up uh, soon. And I would say be ready for that definitely for 2021. And the masterclass is going to take you through a full journey in a career transition. So all the way from minding your mind, um, ensuring that you're in the right headspace for the journey, all the way to your offer negotiation and really landing something that aligns with you. So it's a value-based system that I'm developing and teaching you how to really tell your stories. So um, so, so, I'm not going to reveal all my secrets, but um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to be really good, I think. Um, these are some new methodologies that I'm building out um, in terms of how to tell your stories with a huge impact. And my clients are already starting to use them and they're working. So the masterclass will be coming soon. The other one is that I'm looking at developing right now is, and I'm partnering with someone on this, is about a leadership track. So like you mentioned, there's a lot of need to build leaders. And I'm just going to give you a couple quick statistics as to why this is important is 70% of people that leave jobs are because of their managers, right? So, and meaning that people just have not built the right skill sets to be leaders. So I want to help my clients develop those leadership skills. So there's going to be a leadership track for people that are looking to grow their career um, as leaders, not necessarily even having to manage a team, but how do you develop your leadership skills? And those are the two core themes that I'm looking forward to developing and they're in the works, they're in the lab. (laughs) Awesome.
0: No, thank you. It sounds sound very exciting. So I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing more about it. So good luck with that. As
1: thank we close,
0: you. I'd like to leave the audience with three things before we go. So if they're listening to this to this episode and they don't take anything away other than these three things, what would you want to leave us with before we depart today?
1: So the first thing is ask for help, right? If you're in a career transition or you're thinking that you're going to go through some sort of career transition at some point, ask for help because that's going to be really critical for you to really shorten that journey, right? And then the second thing is be prepared, always prepare because when opportunity comes, you want to be ready. So preparation could mean many things, keep your resume updated every quarter, Prepare your stories. Have an elevator pitch ready all the time, right? Ready to go. If you're in in working with an executive and you get on a call and you get ten minutes with them, what would you say about you? Who are you, right? So be prepared. And the last thing is, again, I want to help people drive their career around a value based career. Figure out who are you, what are your values, and are you aligning your career with your values. So again, if there's anything you take away from this, those would be the three: ask for help, prepare, and think about your values, so that you can drive your career as a value-based career. Great. Now,
0: thank you for sharing those. Those are definitely some really um, helpful tips to really help the audience understand what that career journey should be should look like and what they really need to hone in. So, so thank you for sharing that. So. As we wrap up, give us your social medias. How can we find you? Because uh, we all need an angel on our side. So how can we find you? Give us your social medias, your websites.
1: Sure. Um, so you can visit my website at www.mayihireyou.com um, and may, dot ucom So very easy. Uh, we are on IG, um, so Instagram and on Facebook, you can find May I Hire You. Um, and follow us and comment, reach out. And also on LinkedIn, you can find me specifically just myself, uh, May, and then last name M-A-C-A-R-I-A. So you can find me on LinkedIn and follow me, uh, connect with me. And the last thing is uh, I also have a podcast. So I try to share information. So hashtag May I hire you and uh, feel free to follow us. And There's tons of really good information that I share on there, completely value-add-based and uh, to help you through your career and really be there for you as a career angel. So
0: mate, thank you so much for joining us today. I really do appreciate you coming and sharing more about your company, giving us insights on the things we need to do to better navigate our career journey and also sharing the resources that you provide so we can take advantage of them to ensure that we're presenting the best version of ourselves, but also making sure that we're preparing and being ready for those opportunities. And ultimately, just getting us in the the mindset that we need help and how can we go about that process and get it. So thank you for joining us today and sharing for the audience. I hope you enjoyed this episode as you tune in please let us know what feedback you have and we'll obviously provide May's information. So as you're planning for 2021, she's a great resource to really help you search for that next job opportunity, get you prepared and get your resume in shape and in order. So really take advantage of some of the services that she's providing. So May, as we close out, thank you so much for joining and I hope you have a good day.
1: Thank you. You too.